Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Lucy Hickmott. It's Thursday the 2nd of May. Coming up, more people visit Helpline to try and stop viewing indecent images of children online. No offender should think that they're going to get away with this forever, but... I want them to stop today. Experts gather for food and drink conference with Brexit high on the agenda. The uncertainty has brought all sorts of problems in terms of knowing what to do, how to invest. And Medway Dragons encourage more children to get involved in rugby league. Because it's not ma- massive down here as well, it's easy to get spotted. So there's always mm. opportunities for uh, for people to get in and hopefully get into that professional level. Kent Online News. There's been a significant increase in the number of people in Kent contacting a helpline and website to try and stop themselves viewing indecent images of children online. 541 people got in touch with Stop It Now in 2016. That went up to almost 800 last year. Now the Lucy Faithful Foundation, who set it up, have joined forces with police in the county to tackle the issue of inappropriate pictures of young people appearing on the internet. Donald Findlater is director of the helpline. I think new technologies, with all the tremendous advantages it brings to all of us, also delivers some major headaches, and this is one of them. Um, Whilst I can't blame the internet for, 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 for creating the problem of indecent images of children, people might refer to it as child pornography. Uh, the internet didn't, didn't, didn't create that problem, but unfortunately it's facilitating access at a scale that we've never ever encountered before. Um, and, 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 and because of a fascination with, with pornography use by many males across society, then accessing sexual images of under-18s is becoming easier and easier. Uh, and, and while there are technical solutions the police are bringing to the table and there are other there are things that industry the inter industry is doing to try to to quell this trade uh, that it just takes all of our efforts to do something about it so yes the internet is is a is a is a fundamental part without the internet frankly this problem at this scale would not exist but we can use it to be part of the solution now. So social media becomes then part of the solution of getting messages out to people about about not viewing sexual images of under-18s, about realising that the law says that's illegal, but also getting help if we've started viewing those images. We know that the more images are viewed and, and shared and used um, for, for personal gratification for sexual purposes, then we're, we're fueling the demand to, that creates more images, which means that globally more children get sexually abused to supply for that that demand so it it contributes actively to the abuse of children and of course a child knowing their images are are online and they're just viewed again and again we're just doing additional damage to that child that's already suffered abuse so that's one suite of problems and the other reason we need to take it seriously is that some people who have started down the road of viewing sexual images of children may go on to commit contact sexual abuse against children. It kind of normalises the the, the behaviour, it makes it feel a bit more okay. Well, we have to stop that slippery slope as well uh, and make sure that that people stop as soon as we can help them to stop. And one day they may well get arrested and the police are clearly very active in this space um, and therefore no offender should think that they're going to get away with this forever. But 
I want them to stop today. The services of Stop It Now are confidential. Um, so whether that's people phone the Stop It Now helpline on 0808 1900 to speak to confidentially to a professional or whether they visit our confidential web resources, which essentially are a treatment programme and information resources for families and friends. They're all accessible in confidence so that so that people remain in control there are no shouldn't be no fears attached to to getting these this help because we want to make sure it's as available to as many people as need it as possible and and thousands and thousands so far from across the country have used our resources uh, and i hope that, that that as a consequence of this campaign in this in the, in the southeast region thousands and thousands more will take advantage contact the helpline the self help resources and get help so that this behaviour is stopped. Kent Online reports. A man who murdered his homeless friend at his flat in Thanet has been jailed for life. Trevor Brazier strangled Kevin Tridgell at the property on Northdown Road in Cliftonville last June. The 49-year-old's been told he'll serve a minimum of more than 12 years behind bars. A man's been taken to hospital with a knife wound and bruising after a group of men forced their way into a property in Dover and attacked him. Him. He was kicked and punched on Erith Street on Monday night. You can see a description of the suspects at kentonline.co.uk. It's been confirmed a fire at a co-op in a Kent village was caused by an e-cigarette in a display cabinet. The blaze broke out at the shop on the street in Upchurch on Monday night. Investigators say it started by accident. It's not known yet when the store will reopen. Kent Police has become the only force in England and Wales to be raised outstanding for the way they treat the public, use resources and record crime. Independent inspectors have published their report this morning, which praises an excellent performance over the past year and says it's well equipped to continue its good work. Kent's Police and Crime Commissioner Matthew Scott says it proves it's the best force in the country. It's understood plans are being drawn up to turn two department stores on Canterbury High Street into a shopping thoroughfare. Official applications could be put in within the next three months to redevelop Nason's, which shut down last August, and the Debenham store opposite, which has been earmarked for closure next year. Kent Online News. Experts from across Kent have been gathering to highlight just how important the county is in feeding the rest of the country. It's thought there are around two and a half thousand food and drink businesses in Kent, employing 17,000 workers. A special half-hour programme from the Kent Food and Drink Conference at the University of Kent was broadcasted on KMTV last night. Brexit was one of the main topics for discussion. Here's Joe chatting to some people at the conference. I'm joined by Tom Bourne, a partner at law firm Crips and uh, food manufacturer William Opie from Bennett Opie. William, I'll start with you. A lot of talk today has been about those contingency plans. Do you feel like that's something you need to consider as well? Yes, we've already been trying to do a lot of planning before the 29th of March, additional storage capacity, um, and uh, investment in stock. So we, we've tried to do a lot of planning, also looking at a lot of the duty rates of uh, an impending uh, hard Brexit and the effect that will have on the bis business. As a manufacturer at the moment, are you worried about that uncertainty? Is that one of your key issues coming in the next 12 months? The uncertainty has brought all sorts of problems in terms of knowing what to do, how to invest. Um, I think we're a family business. The family would rather just wait and see how this all comes out really in the, in the wash so to speak. 
Tom, let's let's bring you in here on uh, trade tariffs. Unfortunately, let's. There's been a lot of talk about them and the worries and what it will mean for individual food and drink businesses. It's different for every single one, isn't it? Do you think there's a? Uh, do you think it's something we have to worry about? Well, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty out there, and um, certainly concern. Um, but uh, as lawyers, our job is to advise, and at the moment it's quite difficult. There's a lot of uncertainty, but we're, we're doing our best to advise uh, businesses both in the UK and French businesses setting up in the UK about international trade and how that works. And well, no one knows what's going to happen with Brexit, but we're trying our best to help people plan for the future, plan for their business, not just for the immediacy of Brexit, but past the 31st. Of October and into the future. We've been talking a lot in the conference about stockpiling. So the immediacy there is what happens at the border is are they going to be able to get their goods on time, uh, especially in the on time economy around the food and drink businesses. Um, secondly, there's been a lot about um, employment and whether there's going to be the capacity there to pick the fruit, pick the, um, the, the fruit and vegetables in Kent, um, the fantastic produce that we supply. Um, and, you know, there's the more macro things in the longer term. So are we going to be trading enough uh, as much with our business partners in the Eurozone and the rest of the world? We also heard from Mark Rolf from Kent Scientific Services, which tests food to check it's safe for us to eat. The UK's departure from the EU is also high on his agenda. If we hadn't done the preparation that we have done, then obviously we form a critical part of the supply chain for food and other consumer goods coming into the country. Uh, and if we're not here to provide that service, uh, then there would be disruption to the supply of, of those products through the ports particularly. Obviously, we've done all the planning and preparation that we can possibly do and we're absolutely confident that we're ready to deliver. We've, we've had to put a lot of things in place so we've, we've uh, bought all of the consumables and chemicals in advance that we would need for at least the next six months so there'll be no supply chain issues for us. We've looked with our scientists at how they're going to get to work if there's any kind of traffic disruption. Some of the samples we have are, are like 70 kilogram bags of peanuts and things so you can't move those on the back of a bicycle so we've had to plan uh, around how we're going to get them here, uh, what routes we can use, what alternative routes and what times of day might be best to move the samples around. Never a week goes by when we're not failing something uh, that's coming through the country. Part of what we do here is to be part of that supply chain so that when you go shopping and you go and buy some food, you don't have to think about whether it's safe or not uh, because our colleagues at the ports have done their job and we've done our job and you can assume that it's safe when you're just going into the shop. If you missed the programme last night, you can watch it now at kmtv.co.uk. Kent Online Sport. There are calls for more schools in Kent to start teaching rugby league in PE. While the union season may be over, the 2019 league season is just getting underway. Medway Dragons are the only side in the county to boast first juniors and wheelchair teams. Players Joe and Tom Coyd have been chatting to Nicola about the sport. Up north is, is different. A lot, a lot of places play union and league up north, uh, but down here a lot of secondary schools only do union. Mm. Um, I went to the Howard School, they did league, but that was because I, I was there and I was pushing them. Um, but apart from that, I think I was the only one. We was travelling a few hours for a game and stuff like that. So I think it's predominantly schools, and it's probably more on TV uh, down south. And there's a lot more clubs as well, so it's easy to get into. Absolutely. But would you like to see more schools bring in rugby league then to play in the summer to try and encourage more people to get into the sport? Yeah, yeah, it's a tough one because obviously schools break up in July. So if they wanted to instill rugby league, then they would probably have to play it kind of September to March before that exam period. Um, so it would be um, them kind of putting that before rugby union. 
Um, so the more traditional schools, probably that wouldn't wash with. But um, the more open schools, we would like them to give it a go. Um, and we think it's a much more exciting chance to play some some hard contact game so absolutely your club was founded in 2007 and you really have grown in that time haven't you yeah we're, we're, we, we got off to a really fast start we had a, an excellent ground at Brompton um, the garrison ground which the army let us use and um, we, we in the probably four or five years at the start we grew to 250 active members right up from under fives to the men's team um, and yeah, we kind of hit a bit of a, a lull in the last couple of seasons and we're looking to rebuild now and clubs go in cycles, every amateur club person will tell you that, so we're just rebuilding at the moment. Talking about the future of your club, I'm sure you'd like to see many more players come along. Can you tell us a bit about the games that you play and what it would be like for, for people coming along and having that first kind of experience of rugby league? Um, yeah, I think now we're a, we're a community club and it's just about having fun making friends having a good time having a laugh obviously there's a competitive element otherwise people wouldn't want to play sport most of the time but i think it's just the community just just find some new mates have a good time have a laugh with your pals on a saturday playing some rugby league so you play on saturday tell us a bit about the training schedule as well how does that work well, uh, the men's open-age side trains on a Tuesday evening at 7 o'clock and we train on the Great Lines, which is um, just in, right in the middle of Gillingham. Um, it's, it's a public space, so people walk through and see us and sometimes people walk up and ask us what we're doing, but that's exactly what we want. We want to be visible. Um, and if, if anyone out there fancies coming down on a Tuesday, just pop up, um, approach us. And, you know, We're a really open group. Um, our junior uh, club trains at Lordswood Sports Ground uh, on Thursday evenings and you can find all our details online just google Medway Dragons and follow the appropriate links um, they play on Saturdays as well and what if someone really does get into the sport they want to progress further you guys have got quite a good tie up with London Broncos haven't you which is a, a nearby professional mm -hmm. team how does that link up work for the club um, you just get spotted playing for us and, and hopefully you work your way through the ranks we've just uh, had our second Super League player and Rob Butler who flashed up earlier uh, he, I played with him he was a lot better than me obviously <laughs> um, and we've had a few others uh, who've gone on to play for Ireland national team so it, it's because it's not ma massive down here as well it's easy to get spotted so there's always mm. opportunities for uh, for people to get in and hopefully get into that professional level. And finally today, a Kent festival for people with disabilities has had a funding boost. The county council's giving £2,000 to the people behind Festability, which was set up by parents of disabled children to give them a chance to enjoy live music in a safe environment. 1,700 people went to the first ever one last year and it's returning to Quex Park in Birchington on Saturday the 11th of May. That's it for now but don't forget you can go to kentonline.co.uk for more news throughout the day news you can trust this is the kent online podcast